Hello and welcome to the Friday, November 4th, 2022 edition of the Sands and its Stormzinners Stormcast. My name is Johannes Ulrich and I'm recording from Jacksonville, Florida. Quick diary from Rob today about burp and setting breakpoints. If you have used burp in the past and other proxies are likely similar, one of the annoying things sometimes is if you... Uh, work through a complex web application well you either turn the proxy on or off if you turn it on then you have to click on forward all the time to approve all the requests that sort of happen and you may miss the important one well if you don't keep interception turned on then of course you may miss the page that you're looking for because it didn't get intercepted well Rob now has an interesting feature here in burp that he's going into in a bit more detail and that's breakpoints essentially what you can do here is you can set a condition at which point interception will be turned on in particular in this case rob was looking for an oauth an open id exchange so basically just uh, set the right parameters and then as that exchange is happening burps interception will uh, pop up and uh, you'll have the ability to then alter your requests as you wish to so a pretty efficient uh, feature like any breakpoint of course in a debugger to help you just sort of zoom in on the part of the website and uh, not the code of course uh, that you would like to inspect well, Palo Alto is reporting that we have yet another supply chain attack uh, where malicious actors, which uh, Palo Alto identifies as TA569, injected malicious JavaScript into a company's uh, website that serves uh, videos on various regional and some national news websites. Apparently about 250 websites were affected by this attack. Proofpoint didn't name uh, the particular uh, video platform that was affected here, nor individual uh, news websites that were affected, but uh, the end effect was that the JavaScript then injected the fake updates malware. Well, as the name implies, it's one of those uh, pop-ups that advises you uh, to update uh, whatever software on your system, which of course then turns out to be malware. It's typically sort of categorized as sort of an initial access uh broker where a fake update is used then uh, to add other malware like ransomware or whatever uh, they peddle that particular day. Something very similar actually happened back in January and uh, back then also a video uh, hosting platform was compromised and in this case mostly uh, real estate websites were affected and uh, the injected JavaScript was sort of more one of those classic mage card style uh, keystroke loggers. I'll actually link uh, to that story in the show notes as well. Protecting yourself from these type of attacks can be tricky because you often do have to trust JavaScript that you're loading from remote websites. The one technical solution that sometimes works is sub-resource integrity where you sort of add a hash to the individual script tags. But of course, that only works if the same script is loaded each time, if it's not sort of customized for a particular user. 
And in case you wonder what you should do with all the time that you didn't spend patching uh, because of uh, OpenSSL just being a high vulnerability, not uh, critical, well, I got a couple other vulnerabilities uh, for you to worry about. First one is sort of interesting, uh, Hitachi Infrastructure Analyzer. Uh, that product, uh, they fixed a number of different vulnerabilities here. Particular interesting are two server-side request forgery vulnerabilities that rate with a CVSS score of 9.8. These server-side request forgery vulnerabilities, I think, are sort of really taking off in some way the last couple of years, seeing more and more of them, of course, as web applications uh, include more and more components that reach out to APIs and such. That's where these vulnerabilities often happen. But uh, that's definitely something that you want to address, that you do want to patch relatively uh, quickly. And then we got uh, some uh, updates from Fortinet software. One that's sort of interesting here is the Fortinet Seam. It does apparently save uh, login credentials in clear text. So uh, that's uh, one of the things being fixed here. Also, that attackers are able uh, to execute commands as 40 tester not sure what kind of privileges that user has but uh, these uh, particular vulnerabilities are rated as high and well coming back uh, to OpenSL for the last vulnerability uh, nothing really all that uh, super important or critical but somewhat ironic it's a vulnerability and update in Nessus the vulnerability scanner and yes uh, this is really just the OpenSSL vulnerability so updating to the latest version of OpenSL also updates to XPAT one thing where I thought uh, this may actually be a little bit more sort of applicable is that the OpenSL vulnerability may actually be more likely to be executable for something like a vulnerability scanner since it, well, uh, sort of by design often has to uh, connect to sites that, first of all, may already be compromised and secondly, it may not necessarily uh, always uh, sort of check all the certificates and such uh, before it then connects and runs its vulnerability scan. Well, so that's it for uh, today. Thanks again for listening and talk to you again on Monday. If you do have any input for the podcast, please let me know. Uh, let me know if there's any story that I missed. And as always, well, subscribe to it in uh, your podcast app, Apple Podcasts. We also are on Amazon Alexa for the Flash news briefing. And well, tell your friends, enemies, and everybody else about this podcast. Thanks and talk to you again on Monday. Bye.